The BS Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. The BS Report. The BS Report with Bill Simmons. Welcome to the BS Report. Taping this on a rainy Tuesday here in Southern California. It's going to run on Wednesday. I don't know who we're calling today, but I know who our first guest is. Andy Greenwald, Grantland's own TV connoisseur. Not a critic, a connoisseur. How are you? I'm great. I feel so bad that it's raining for you, although I guess good for the infrastructure of the state. It's good. We needed the water. We yeah. the water. It's, it's always funny, though, because it rains so infrequently here that whenever it rains, people literally have no idea how to drive, <laughs> react, <laughs> what, what to do with a yellow light. It's just all hell breaks loose. It's hilarious. Don't they send crisis reporters to, like, the street corners to report on, on people's parking and the drainage and everything? Like, it's a big crisis. They do. It's it's the lead of the local news is it's raining. Let's go to Katrina. She's in Santa Monica. Katrina. Yeah, it's raining, Bob. It's it's really raining here. Um, Speaking of rain. Yeah. How about that segue? That was good. The the uh, the Walking Dead let it rain in the season finale. It it rained Um, blood. It rained blood. As I told the fellas in the Grantland office yesterday, I'm a sucker for any show that ends with the sweeping shot that goes backwards above the characters when somebody's holding a body and somebody else is yeah. sagged to the ground. Going, That's it. I'm in. You, you've won me over. If any show ends like that, sorry for the spoiler alert, by the way, do, do by you the think way, we, if you yeah, don't, if you want uh homeland walking dead, the missing, any of that stuff, if you, if you don't want that stuff spoiled for you, I would stop listening right now. No hard feelings. <laughs> okay. Andy, go ahead. Do you think it would just totally change the game if one time we as an audience saw someone fall to the ground in anguish and then heard their cry as opposed to some like soft rock song? Like, oh, I that's feel like interesting. It, it's, it's now expected that an actor will know how to fall to the ground and emote, but we never actually have to hear the sort of curdled animal cry. And I wonder if that's because of Sean Penn in Mystic River. If because oh. that has become such a, a running joke, even though he won yeah. an Oscar for it, that now like everyone's like, you know, it's just not worth it. Let's just, we'll just play an iron and wine song or something and we'll get by. Well, what if somebody was sagged to the ground screaming while at the same time, somebody else was looking up at the sky as it's raining with rain pouring down on them <laughs> and doing the Jesus Christ pose, which, which I remember when the Shawshank ad yeah. came out 20 years ago and Andy, Tim Robbins as Andy is doing that in the ad. And I'm thinking, oh, that movie's going to suck. He's doing the in the rain pose. Oh, this is going to be bad. Who knew? But how many people outside of the office in L.A. are doing that right now? They're just they're just walk, walking down to Gelson's just with their face up in the sky with the Christ pose, wondering what's falling from the heavens. Well, Sean Fantasy, because the Jets lost again. I would say that's he right. might be doing it. That's right. And, and that's about it. But, you know, I, I was really I was really impressed by the Walking Dead season. I think the it's show's good. come a long way. I feel like it's. It's become a little bit Lost-esque. Um, I still think Lost was a superior um, superior written show at its peak, and I think the acting was a little bit better. But for the most part, it kind of keeps me on my toes. It has backstories. It goes in weird directions. Are you surprised yeah. that they've been able to make the show this good? I'm totally shocked. I mean, you you actually had to pull an editorial intervention and have me removed from writing about the show every week because I was so out on it um, yeah. two years ago. Right. And I thought 
and the thing that the reason why I had no hope for it to improve was that it didn't need to improve. It didn't need to please people like me who were maybe being a little bit more critical of it. It's the number one rated show on TV. So it, it almost didn't matter what it did, which to my mind meant then they could take more creative chances and try to be try to be great. But it didn't seem like that was something the show was capable of. The third showrunner, Scott Gimple, the guy who's running it now, really seems to have figured it out. And I, I wrote a big piece about it a couple of weeks ago, but he just seems to have solved the trick that the previous showrunners didn't know how to do. Um, you know, Frank Darabont, speaking of Shawshank Redemption, Frank Darabont's the guy who who adapted it to TV, but he was trying to make a Stephen King story. And this story is not a Stephen King story. It just didn't fit. Glenn right. Mazzara, the second guy who worked on The Shield, seemed to be just trying to, like, just write the ship and basically make a TV, gritty TV drama. And, and again, it's not that. What Gimple's figured out is that it is a... You know, he's figured out a way to make a horror movie that feels like a TV show. It doesn't have to be a climax every week. It can surprise you with the way things happen. It can surprise you with timing. And it can actually take the time to make us care about these people, which was the one thing that the show never was able to do. All good points. And I, I, I guess one of the things that's changed for the show, and I'm not sure how they pulled it off. I, I remember a couple of years ago when you and I were talking about this show, it, it was my theory about when you have cable shows and they put their money toward a couple people, but then they have yeah. to skimp on other people. And that's how you end up with somebody like the governor. <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually thought the actors in this season show were really good. And I don't know if it's because it's such a big show now that people take a discount to work for it just for the exposure. But like, even you look like the, the lead of the cannibal group, that guy was great. And two yeah. years ago, that guy would have been a terrible actor and the character wouldn't have worked. But that guy was really good. And you just go all on down the line of the people they've been able to add this year. And even like, who was the rogue cop in the hospital, the leader of the cop who ended up getting stabbed with the scissors? Christine Woods. She, she was yeah. really good. She, she was on the show Hello Excellent. Ladies. She's, she's usually a comic actress. Um, I yeah. think that... I think two things are responsible for that. One, again, is the, is the way Gimple has sort of switched up the timing and kept us on our toes. Because the guy, Andrew West, who played Gareth, the leader of the cannibals, was really good. But he also never outstayed his welcome. Like, I, I think everyone watching this season expected him to be the big bad, like the, like the governor, just to be yeah. around for 10, 12 episodes. But all of a sudden, he was, he was out in really gross fashion in three. And right. so we remember him at his best, <laughs> not, you know, we didn't get to see him lingering around and, and, and dragging himself after these same people again and again. Similarly, they're doing the smartest thing ever, which is if you need people who are plausible and compelling in a dystopia, get actors from the wire because, yep. you know, we talked about this last time, but you know, West Baltimore to zombie ridden Atlanta. I mean, I feel like they're shot in a similar way. And these actors like, like Chad L. Coleman, who played Cuddy, is so great on The Walking Dead. Tyrese is one of the best characters on the show because you just look at him and you buy his emotional experience, even though none of us have ever been in a zombie wasteland. You buy it. Well, Tyrese is here right now. He wants to thank you for uh, your kind words. Tyrese, you want to say something? Andy, I want to thank you for everything you just said about me and my acting, even though I whisper all my lines. I think, I think you're I talking too fast. I'm still maybe... I'm talking too fast, but this has been a rough road for me in Atlanta. Yeah, he's he's good. I'm in. He, he's you use him. He's like a like a like a reliever. He's like a setup guy. You only want him pitching in like three or four batters, but he's going to be good with those three or four batters. I also know? like what they've they've done with um with with keeping us on our toes with guest stars because the guy who played Officer Lampson 
who was uh, who showed up two weeks ago. And he the guy actor's name is Maximiliano Hernandez. He was great on the Americans. He was in Captain America, too. And, you know, for people who don't know his name, they're like, oh, that guy. I recognize him from somewhere. So I bet he'll be around for a while. And then when right. the episode ended with him throwing Sasha's head into the window, we were like, oh, OK, so this is going to happen now. We're going to be chasing after him. He's clearly key to whatever is in the finale. And then Rick hits him with a car before the credits even roll in the next episode. Yeah, so they've had some good swerves. I I think uh, if you to borrow your what you said about the wire, I I do I think we mentioned last time Marlo needs to somehow be involved in the show. I don't know how they get Marlo in, but I think we, we I need, need just pull him in. We need to kickstarter um, him off of the strain. We need to get him. We need to get him to Georgia. Um, I don't know where Bunk is, but I'm waiting. <laughs> I mean, how? The thing about Walking Dead that they need to go further in this direction because we would be so happy to see these people and we would immediately not want to see them eaten alive. And I feel like well, that takes saves so much time for them in terms of exposition. It's an interesting concept, but what if the Walking Dead bought like three actual characters from The Wire? Just bought the rights. They're like, yeah, they were like, David Simon, you created this show, right? We want those three characters. Here's five million bucks. And then all of a sudden, Bunk, McNulty, and Marlo, the actual, those three characters are, are in The yes. Walking Dead in Atlanta. Marlo's like trying to organize a gang and sell drugs somehow to zombies. It'd be I, great. It would, it would be fantastic. I really feel like, I mean, maybe this is something they'll have to start doing in terms of stunt casting as the show ages. It's showing no signs of, of losing any popularity, but maybe like season eight, season nine, season 10, they're just going to have yeah. to start hiring like beloved TV actors just to be there. So immediately we don't want to see them die like like Michael J. Fox or something. Or, or, oh, or, wow. Or, Michael J. Or Fox. Be, or does it become like the love boat, you know, where it's just people show up for a cruise for the honor of having their intestines ripped out? I don't know, but I, right. I, I think that it could get there's. There are a lot of ways to keep this from getting boring now that it's actually gotten good. Yeah, because I'm worried they're going to fall into a rut of the two things that, you know, somebody's always got to take us like, hey, I'm going to go outside and get something. And they're, oh, they're zombies. <laughs> like, yeah. they, I don't know how long that can work. And then the whole thing of like, hey, two of us, two of us are going into town to get something. Nothing will go wrong. And yeah, then it's or, like, hey, the two of us are in trouble. I, I there's only probably about twenty episodes left where that can work. So I think frankly, one of, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with with uh, the two groups who are a little bit morally questionable looking at each other and being like, I guess we're not so different. I just got to look after my people. <laughs> like if you if you ever come across the people from like I, I don't know like like say you run into some people who work at SB Nation. Are you ever like my people and your people are gonna have a parlay? Do you refer to us, your staff, as your people? Or is that only on Lost and on The Walking Dead? That's interesting. Be like, I'll give you back Tom Ziller, but you <laughs> give what... me back Zach Lowe. And let's just <laughs> go on our own ways. We're all trying um, to survive out here. Yeah. Here's another way I'd make The Walking Dead a little bit better. I, I think they're running away from sex a little too much. For instance. See, yeah. We haven't had two characters competing. Like to me, the love triangle is always the great equalizer at all times. If you look at any great run in any show, there was always two people in love with one person or mm -hmm. two people battling for one person or whatever. That's always been the recipe that works. And my thing so you is you want to cross over with love and hip hop Atlanta. Basically you want that show and the walking oh, dead. That's, to cross paths. that's that, all that's happening there anyway. Idea. So that's great. Well, possible. maybe that could be another character they buy, one of the love and hip hop people. That would be a great idea. I mean, they. I also think I. I don't think it's a bad idea to have real Atlanta 
people in there. Like, I, I do think Barkley should be in an episode. It's like there should be an episode where all of a sudden they're near the Turner headquarters and all that's <laughs> left is Barkley and Ernie Johnson. Kenny's long gone. Shaq fought off 200 zombies, but now he's dead. <laughs> And they're just forced to live together. And they're they're and they were, they they went down. Maybe they were actually like in the Phillips Arena, so they've been subsisting on like old popcorn. And some, right. And, and Kyle, I, Kyle Corver somehow has become their leader. Well, Kyle Corver is the crack shot. He, he his skills were somehow translatable, right? So he's a Absolutely. long distance. He's a sniper, a long distance shooter. The Hawks the, the Hawks were doing great until um, Mike Scott went crazy. He went rogue. He decided he did just to kill all the Zion, and he got a lot of Hawks killed, but only is Kyle Korver's left. Is there a joke to be made about how the team didn't notice the difference in their in their fan base or in the arena? That it was it was oh. equally empty before and after the apocalypse, and so they kept playing? Absolutely. Um, That's the thing I, is, they're in Atlanta. I don't feel yeah. like they're taking advantage of Atlanta enough. Well, my thought was, I mean, I, I think that because the difficulties of making a major metropolis look like it's been completely abandoned, that's why they went rural. So I was actually yeah. happy to see them go back to the city a little bit this year and sort of film around the margins. So maybe that's right. a sign that they figured out how to do it. Um, my, my question for you about the show is the, the one of the interesting things about this half season that, again, went by really quickly was this idea that they were going to Washington, D.C. to solve the problem. And then they yeah. flipped that. Eugene is a liar. There is no way to solve it. We're all back to the same misery. Yeah. Do you think the show can continue are you, or do you think you can continue to be invested in the show season six, seven, eight, if there really is never a potential cure, if this is really just circling the same drain forever? Good question. That's why I think they need to keep introducing wrinkles into it. But ultimately, people like watching zombies get killed. It's really We've true. We've been saying this in the podcast for three years. It's true. That's, that's the show. It's like, hey, th- there's people... They become close to one another. They look out for each other and zombies are trying to kill them. And as long as that's the premise, I think it can go on for years and years. I don't see how it ends. I mean, ER went on for 15 years, right? How long did ER go for? ER went for over 10 seasons. Um, It's like uh, like Family Matters, right? As long as Urkel was in an episode, it didn't matter what the rest of the wins were. It's like CSI. CSI's still on. It's like, hey, a hooker's dead in Vegas. I wonder, uh, let's let's run a thing on her. Very, very, uh, very low survival rate for hookers in Vegas. Like, oh, it's yeah, it's like CS- it's like morally corrupt people in Atlanta during The Walking Dead. Hey, do you think Falcons coach Mike Smith could be in an episode where where they have a really easy decision, but he somehow blows it and gets killed by zombies? That'd be good. Like, should, should we should we go towards quiet and safety or into the school full of swarming zombies? And, and he, he just freezes. That he really needs something. And as he's freezing and unable to make a decision, five zombies just come in and get him. Do you think Do you think you would be that good at killing zombies? No, no. I mean, I, 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 one thing that was interesting this season is one of the characters was like, "It's been long enough since this happened that the only survivors are people who know how to survive." And as soon as I heard that, I was like. I'm I'm dead. I am long ago dead. I said this to Chris on our podcast. Like mm. people who write about sports and culture on the internet, we are among the first cold from society. All bloggers no are question. dead. All bloggers, all bloggers and writers. We're, we're all yeah. gone. We're we're, we're, I feel we're like, food. I feel like 199 out of 200 times I could kill the zombie, but there's going to be that one time where I hit the knife, but it it somehow it like breaks on their skull. Their skull's harder than I thought, and then I'm just mm-hmm. dead. Yeah, and, but and that I, never I, seems to happen to Maggie. I also think there's a there is a it's a it's a slippery slope because I feel like maybe a majority of people 
could learn to fire a gun at a zombie or swing an axe or something at a zombie, but to actually have the wherewithal to reach your hand out into a zombie's skull, grab it by the eye sockets, and then beat another person over the head with the zombie head, like Daryl yeah. did, that's, I couldn't do that. That that's what yeah. separates the the elite athletes from from like the people who play down at the gym. That that's the difference. I also I don't I don't like this whole Daryl sexual orientation internet saga that's going on where people don't know if he's gay or not. Who cares? People people are wondering. The tongues are wagging. Um, I, other question about this finale that I had for you is: Do you know why Beth stabbed Dawn with his pair of scissors? Because they needed a dramatic ending for the for the. Mid-season that's a, finale. That's, that's exactly right. That's the yeah. answer. Th- that's th- the because reason. there's no reason. Why would she do that? I mean, I, I was excited because she... they gave her those two Frankenstein scars, and I don't want to look at them for the next season. So I, I was, I was fine with Beth being wiped out. Yeah, Beth. Beth didn't have much more to add to the show. I mean, just getting Beth to this point where we even cared—that was pretty impressive. Yeah, and it's like the Beth sister, who. It would have been nice if they had one scene during the eight episodes where she's kind of sitting sadly by a campfire. And like, I was just thinking about Beth. <laughs> I miss my sister. Yeah. I really miss my sister. She was my best friend. Sometimes I don't know if I want to go on, at least set it up. So I know why you're upset. Um, yeah. But you know, I think when the Atlanta Falcons cheerleader bus comes in the beginning of next season, I think that's going to solve a lot of problems. She's going to have a lot more to worry about than her dead sister at that point. Well, you know, you talked about the wire. The other thing that's happened with this show I always called it wire hot where the wire like intentionally didn't have any super bottles on the show and people right. that were like, ah, she's cute. But then by the fourth season, you're like, oh, that DA that McNulty, the one who's with Daniels now, she is hot. Yeah. And that's happened with Maggie. Maggie is yeah. now one of the like five most beautiful women on TV. She's surrounded by zombies all the time. She gets more beautiful by the show. Great I, job have, by her agent. Just getting her on the show. Have you heard her speak in real life? No. Did you know that she she has an English accent. What? How many she's, people she, on the show are English? She's half and half. I mean, traditionally English people can do Southern accents, and they can't. Yeah. You know, it's easier for them than say like doing a West Baltimore accent. <laughs> like I'm not not naming names, McNulty. But uh, but she, yeah, but she is. She sounds super posh in real life, and it totally changes the way you look at her. Let's go. Let's flip to the affair really quick. <laughs> yeah, I'm mostly out on this, but I, I'm I'm curious if you're still going. I didn't change your opinion by telling you how to watch it in our last podcast. You scared me. You scared me away from it. I scared you away from it. You scared me away from it. Yeah. I, I, it, it just seemed too at the end of a busy Sunday, you know, the thought of sitting with my wife watching a show where we're both checking each other out being like, Oh, would you, but would you really, I don't know. Oh, that's, I didn't mean to do that. It's fraught. That's too it's bad. Fraught. I feel bad. No, I mean, but I, I told I still you ha- what to do. You just make jokes the whole time. It's true. It's true. But then she doesn't want to. Here's the other thing. I have to, I make her watch so much not great TV that I have to cover. She does not want to give over that Sunday night. You know, she, if I pitch it to her, like, it's, we're just going to joke about it. It's really not very good after all. She's not going to want. She's not in. She's not I in. like the affair. It's been it's been really uh, it's been really solid. And I love I love the fact that. Uh, that I don't totally know where it's going. And I also love the fact that I have barely anyone to talk to, about it with because there's no audience for the show apparently. But but, but here, okay. somehow they renewed it. That's what I was going to ask. It, has that affected your engagement in the show? Because theoretically, a, a one crime case, one affair, ten episodes—that's probably enough, right? And now it's gotten ten more hours. 
for to cover what is, I guess, the same affair. Do you are you excited about that? You feel I like, like shows road? where there's secrets and there's something happened, but I don't know what happened yet. But there, but all of a sudden it's in the present tense, and it's like, yeah, something happened. And then you go backwards. I'm always in on those shows. I mean, I'm easy, <laughs> really easy. Um, I McDulty has been. I, I do feel like it's affecting his McNulty credibility, the show yes. after a while. He's been such a loser on this show that I feel like uh, the spirit of McNulty can't like it. No, it's bad, bad mojo to mess with one of the greatest TV characters of all time. You can't do that. I, I, what's funny is that the affair and Homeland as a combo has become really solid two hours. Homeland had three good episodes. In yes. row. Is, is it, I'm afraid to say this is Homeland back. Yeah, I was. The last two episodes were really good, and you know, no one was 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 ragging on that show more than more than me. And I was really impressed by it. What's What's crazy about it is that these two episodes, you know, they were they were action packed. They were they were tense. They were kind of exciting. Everyone was good at their jobs, and you kind of wanted to know what happened next every you know moment to moment. And I couldn't help but think, why wasn't this the show? This is the show that Homeland is good at making, and yet they insist to a fault to make making the other shows, right? I mean, wouldn't you yeah. like to have started with this instead of the seven hours of Carrie having a baby and having doubts about that and Quinn drinking vodka by a pool and that whole thing with the kid that they've just, thank God, they've forgotten about? Yeah. It's a show that has continually been its own worst enemy. Yeah. And Brody should have blown up at the end of season one. That much is clear. You just got to kill him off. It becomes... He becomes one of, that becomes one of the great one season runs by any character. That's um, right. They got way too attached to Claire Danes just as an actress and giving her stuff, which is always dangerous. Um, it, you know, it, and it's such a leap of faith to believe in her in any sort of credibility standpoint with any decision beyond, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. Do you need anything? Which I, I, I don't even know if I trust her with that. Would you trust would, her with that one? No, I'd be like, I need a loaf of bread and a vitamin water. And she'd come back with eight bottles of tequila and some random dude. Like, she'd, I just, I wouldn't, she'd come back. I wouldn't trust it. Three days later. <laughs> That's right. You get, you get a collect call from uh, Kandahar and just be like, hey. It's just hard for yeah. me to believe none of the CA bosses are like, hey, uh, but Carrie Matheson's really involved in, in, in what we're doing. Um, isn't she the one who tried to run away with the terrorists? Yeah. And didn't she have 19 mental breakdowns? Also, let's talk about the CIA in fictional Homeland America. They've just had the worst 10-year run of any organization ever. Right. They they literally botched everything. There was a, basically another 9-11 in which the Pentagon was exploded. Yeah. Uh, no, sorry. Well, the CIA headquarters was exploded. Right. And yet, they anytime Carrie does anything, and basically all she does is say, no, I'm doing it my way, all of her superior officers and friends just sort of lean back against the wall with their arms crossed being like, let's see what she can do. Like they have it's no, so plan no plan B. No plan B. ludicrous. I but, actually but thought when, when, when the show doesn't make us look at that and just goes, then it, it's fine. As long as we don't have time to think about anything, it's great. But what's funny is the 24 connection. Like Jack Bauer was the same thing. Yeah. 24 was That's ludicrous. Right. And Jack Bauer was like, hey, Jack Bauer is going to go rogue again. And he just kind of accepted it because it was a ridiculous show. Homeland is also a ridiculous show, but at the same time, can feel like it's not a ridiculous show, which is why it's both so frustrating. That's right. And then when it's actually good, you're like, oh, wow, this is good. This is, I like this. And you I know? think the people involved in it, because there was some overlap with, with 24, um, 
take that really personally. And I think they really wanted to differentiate this show from, from 24. Uh, Chris Ryan called it called Homeland slow food 24. Like, you know, yeah. like, the, you know, like in the same way you can, you, you like Cheetos are bad for you, but you can buy like nature's Cheetos you know, right. that are essentially Cheetos, but the ingredients list is a little shorter. Um, and I think that that is still in their heads enough that they do things like the first seven episodes of the season to show us this depth that somehow makes everything that happens richer but there, but it, it, it actually does the opposite. It made, well, it certainly made me annoyed. I think it made a bunch of other people in the audience kind of annoyed when, especially when you're seeing what they actually can do. Um, it's, it's an, it's an action show and it's a clever suspense driven action show that there's no emotional anything left with these people. And that's, that's fine. Well, you know, my theory about how for a show or a movie to really work, it has to take me into some world that I didn't know that much about. Totally. Um, in this case, like I'm always fascinated by Washington. I always feel like the right kind of Washington show I'm always in because I don't totally understand what goes on in Washington and all the, you know, different competing bureaucracies and the weird people turning and stuff like that. But then the Middle East, it's just like it's such a fascinating place to film. It's mm-hmm. the most fascinating region in the entire world right now, certainly the most polarizing. And to have the right kind of show set in there with all the different elements that are going on and um, like there should be a show. I don't know if Homeland should be the show, but it, it's right. at least doing a decent job this year of capturing what that part of the world is like and some of the issues going on there. Um, I think the last three have been really good. I gotta say. Yeah, I'm impressed. And I think it's going to, st- I think if they, as long as they keep this up, it's going to stay good through the end of this and through the end of this season. And it's been renewed. And, you know, I, I, this just seems like a healthier model for the show just to basically be 24, to have a threat every year and yeah. have a bunch of Mr. X and a bunch of suspense and blow a bunch of stuff up and, and have the good guys come out bruised and scarred and ready to do it again. Because the other thing is Showtime doesn't really cancel shows. So this is Homeland, in, you know, Homeland's going to get another season. It's probably going to run seven seasons like most of the network shows do. So I'm fine the further they step back from the sort of heavily serialized emotional investment cliff. It, it, it doesn't work well, especially over seven years. What was the show we were talking about in the office yesterday and I was making fun of people? What other shows are going on right now? I thought you just want to talk about show. The, the missing you were into. Oh, we're going to talk about that in one second. There's one other show that, oh man, I can't remember. I'll remember right. a little bit. Um, the missing on stars, Saturday yep. nights. Um, the first good show they've ever had basically. Yes. It and is. as an added bonus, you can get the on demand of the next week's show after whatever that week's showing. So I'm actually one show ahead of what's actually showing on stars. Um, This show is fantastic. I really, really, really like this show and I highly recommend it. This is a hard watch though. I feel like, especially the first hour, like especially if you have kids or have ever known a kid or maybe you once were a kid, like I had a really hard time getting through that first hour. Yeah. Let's we'll, we'll talk about this in very vague ways. Cause I have a feeling not a lot of people are watching this show and I actually want people to, okay. to watch it. So I don't want to spoil anything, but, um, I will say, um, new parents 50, 50, you get through the first episode. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of who, long walks. Yeah. Like Lasanti was out. I, I, yeah. I actually thought Lasanti was a little bit of a tougher human being, but he just folded. Mark Lasanti works well, for him. He just folded thirty minutes in. That's because he's it. a much new, much newer parent. I've got like a year yeah. on him, and so I, yeah. I got through it, but it was not easy. Well, so when, so I have a nine and a half year old and a seven year old, and the kid who 
disappears in this show is five. And so you're, you're in the clear. I'm not in the clear. I'm actually, it made me more worried, but I always like shows where I can, I have to put myself in the position of the characters and it's a lot easier to identify with the guy who has his kid taken in the missing than it is to identify with like Rick in the walking dead. You know, that's, um, that's true. So I'm watching this show just kind of like, even when, when the kid actually disappears, I don't want to give too much away but I'm watching it from like the whole father perspective of, Oh my God. Like I'm breaking it down. Like I'm Chris Collinsworth, you know? <laughs> um, I think it's a really good show. It's really well done. It's well acted. I don't know where it's going. I know they bought, they bought it from BBC, right? Yeah. So this is basically the way a lot of networks are, are, are boosting, bolstering their, their lineups. They're doing a lot of co-productions and buying British shows because well, for one, on the one hand, there are a lot of really good British shows, but two, you know, like, a show like The Missing, it is an eight-hour, eight-episode limited series. So they know yep. they're buying. They know what it is. They know where it's going. And they, they can guarantee, if not, um, they can't necessarily guarantee quality, but they can guarantee um, conclusion, you know, and people sort of like resolution. And this is a series, just so, you know, we'll keep it vague, but a couple, eight years ago, a couple is vacationing in France and their son goes missing. The story proceeds in two timelines. We see what happens in the immediate aftermath. And we also see in the present day, eight years later, what's happened to the family, what happened to the town, and maybe the case gets reopened. And I, for, if you can make it through the first hour when the kid actually goes missing, it becomes a lot more tolerable on that emotionally. Like, because then it's a lot more about, it's basically a crime story, and it's got terrific actors in it. It's my favorite new show in a while. And we, we've talked in the past about the changing models of television. And we both thought, you know, I think True Detective was a, a kind of a groundbreaking show in a lot of ways because it was one season with one set of characters. Yep. And then it's over. And you could either continue it the next season, but if you do, it's a whole new story and a whole new set of characters. You keep the brand. Or it could just go away. And like this, if if I'm running a, a, a network like Stars, I want to have like five or six shows like the missing and that's fine if they go away after eight weeks like at least for those eight weeks my network matters and people are coming to my network to me that's so much more important than trying to launch black sales or whatever the f they're doing absolutely absolutely i mean stars has basically been a network that has had a lot of money and they've been throwing in a lot of different directions and i think if one of those directions stuck then that's the direction of the network um i think outlander which i still have to catch up on i've heard is actually really good that was sort of their first thing that got noticed over the summer as a sci-fi show um, or a sci-fi time travel show. Um, but the thing about the missing, you know, we were talking before about um, how CSI just, you know, an ER, those just work year after year after year. One thing yeah. that I would be interested in seeing one step away from the true detective or American horror story model um, would be interesting to see a network like stars create a series based. Let's just say it was the missing. If it wasn't a BBC co-production where they were going to do a different missing person or missing child case every year. So it's basically like a network procedural like yeah. CSI, but it's a prestige version of it where instead of yeah. having one 22, one hour cases every year, you have one six or eight hour case and the next year, same cops, different cops, whatever, but you know, kind of know the feeling and the brand you're getting into. I feel like that's something where networks are going to start getting a cable networks are going to start getting a foothold because right now we're still in the early stages where that anthology series is still kind of prestige. So true detective, even though it's changed, you know, it still has the same writer, but it's changed cast and locales, but
but it's still going to have big names in it. And and Fargo is still going to have the Coen brothers feel when it comes back for another season. Yep. I, uh, you know, I look at a network like HBO who I think really lucked out with game of Thrones kudos to them, but is also dropping the ball in a lot of ways, like true detective kudos again, but to try out the comeback inexplicable a show that nobody even cared about the first time around to do that over like you have this entourage brand that could be replicated with really any celebrity in his and his entourage you could do entourage year after year with different people i, I heard you say it that is to amazing Wahlberg. to me they ran away from that brand i don't understand it i heard you say it to Wahlberg. he said he, he he seemed to suggest that they were talking about it at least that they were that, that, that someone was interested in bringing it back dude you could do it with I, the obvious next one would be a rapper who wants to get into acting and all his buddies and they move to LA, but you could, you know, you could have it with a female, like there's a million ways it could go. And it's a real brand. Like they created a brand. And the reason that brand kind of faded was because people were tired of, of Vincent Chase and his buddies. It wasn't because the idea didn't work. People like being in LA and they like, you know, with a show and they like living kind of that vicariously through celebrities. It's that was the reason that show worked. It's interesting now because you know we're we're in the middle of the TV development season, the network development season for for next year, for fall of fifteen. And the one thing that's come out, the biggest trend is people just gobbling up pre-existing properties. So meaning right. like studios are trying to find new ways to monetize things already in their catalog. So you know there there a lot of TV like shows. Say anything became the most famous one, and then Cameron Crowe bought right. Where Cameron Crowe said no way, but but for example, it, it, but it's gotten almost ludicrous. Whereas I think it's Fox is developing a Fox is def, Fox is developing a sitcom called Bachelor Party, based on the thirty year old Tom Hanks movie. But the logline for the comedy is a multi generational look at marriage and romance, which is not what Bachelor Party the movie was about at all. So I'm mm. fine with multi-generational looks at love and romance. I'm fine with the movie Bachelor Party, but why are you doing one instead of the other? What, what I'm curious to see is if studios and networks will be able to get their act together to start resurrecting and rebooting things that people actually want in their catalogs. And I've, I've been banging the drum for a West Wing reboot for 2016 because I feel like the world would... Why, why not do another election special as an eight-hour miniseries? Um, there, and brands like ER, ER could come back any day if the studios are ready to do it. Just set it in a different city, set it in a different hospital, give it a different spin. Like these We've are talked the, about like this said. before. Cheers is another one. Just put Cheers in Chicago with, and make them a former hockey goalie. Um, ER is the all-time no-brainer. And I, I want to meet the one person who's like, oh, crap, they're bringing ER back. I'm not going to watch it. People are at least trying that show out for the first one. Uh, also, Noah Wiley available. No Wiley really available. What? Oh, he's, he just came in the room. You're, you're in? Okay, he's in. <laughs> no Wiley's in. Um, but L.A. Law is another one I think they could redo. Absolutely. Um, St. Elsewhere is another one. I think they could redo Magnum P.I. You know, Hawaii Five-0 is an example of how that works, right? That's so right. they're remaking a show that nobody really under 35 even remembers, right? But it's in Hawaii, it has a name. It's recognizable to somebody like my dad who remembers the old shit. He's going to give it a chance. Newer people are going to give it a chance just because it's in Hawaii. I think the key is the is the kind of location slash vocation. So yeah, if that's it's right. law or it's uh, or a hospital or it's Hawaii, that's when it works. It doesn't work when people are like, hey, we're rebooting Family Ties. 
Like that no, doesn't right. mean anything to anyone under 35, you know? But also Family Ties worked because of the chemistry in the cast, whereas Hawaii Five-0 is yes. a cop show in Hawaii. And that's why, um, you know, one thing the networks were really trying to reboot, NBC was working on it for two different production cycles, was rebooting The Rockford Files. And that's one of my all-time favorite shows. It's a vibe of a TV show that I wish existed. You know, it's sort of like yeah. a rundown PI living on the beach, solving solving cases for like the, the equally down and out. I, I love shows like that, and I wish there were more shows like it. People don't remember it, really. The younger generations don't remember it, even though I think it's on Netflix. But the thing is, it's not just saying that's a PI show set on a beach. It's a show built around James Garner. And if you don't have someone who's as likable week to week on TV as James Garner, and you know, and, and Clooney's not coming back to TV, and I don't know, I don't know who out there among TV actors could fill those shoes. They cast Dermot Mulroney, which went about as well as you can expect. You can't reboot that show. So you need to have the premise can be rebooted, but if it, the premise isn't what carries the show, it's not going to work. Yeah, ultimately, talent is what is what carries a show, unless it's a hospital or or it's a law, yeah, law office or a police. Yeah, that's right. Or police, that's why- police, hospital, law. Like those are the or- shows that people have been making for fifty years. Or recently, naval cops. The naval investigative unit is really where most TV drama comes from these days. ESPN just did that with Sports Center. They spent all this money in the set. People don't watch yep. TV for a set. They watch they watch it for the talent, and that's like your Rockford Files Dermot Mulroney analogy. It's like, yeah, I'm going to watch the Rockford Files if George Clooney is James Rockford, Jim Rockford. Yep. Yeah. Or if you have yeah. some awesome dude I want to see, but I'm not going to watch it just because you'd say, hey, the Rockford Files is back. And it's with Dermot Mulroney. That's right. Yeah. It's like, I, I have enough. I have enough choices on a Friday night to watch. If I want to see pictures of Malibu, I can go on Google and image search it. If I want to see the Rockford Files, I can go on Netflix and watch it. You need to give me a reason beyond that. I came up with a great idea and then you have to go because we got to bring in Joe House to talk NBA. Okay. Um, I think we should have a, a fantasy draft on Grantland. Eighteen, eight, eight people in it go snake draft, and we all have to have. We are we're all network executives. Maybe maybe it's four people. We're all network executives, and we have to grab remakes, remake ideas, shows that have yeah. already happened. We're remaking them, and each of us gets to come up with ten shows, and then we put our lineup our lineups against each other and America votes on who has the best lineup. I'm going to say this right now. I win. I'm like a minus 700 <laughs> favorite. Me against I, the field. Take the odds of Bill Simmons in this. I win this. I'm all in on this. I think the way to do it is there's the four of us as the network heads, right? And then someone who isn't one of us makes the list of the 10 pre-existing shows for us to, or whatever, 12 that we have to draft or 16 for each. And then, but there, but it's just the concept, right? And then when we pitch it in the, to the, to the world, we come up with the, the remake. Is that right? So like it'll, the list will say ER, Rockford Files, LA Law, whatever, cheers. We grab them. So and what's then the we first pick, ER? Surprises. Is ER For the, the m- first pick? I mean, ER is definitely the easiest pick because there's, but, but it's also in some ways the safest because you're not really reinventing the wheel. I mean, you, where you, you put it in Omaha, you put it in Seattle. I mean, it's, it's going to be an emergency room. Whereas mm. one, something on that list has to be a real curveball where we have to really show our programming smarts and, and dazzle people. And I don't Maybe know what ER that is. Like, Philly? I mean, I, now, now you've got my vote, and even though I'm already contributing. So I watched that. 
Why is Philly always shat on as a TV show location, whereas there's a million Boston shows and Chicago shows? If I was a Philly fan, I'd have more of a complex about that than my sports teams. How Do I Get Away With Murder, number one show of the fall set outside of Philly. So I'll, I will keep that in my, in my cap, in my frame red Philly's cap. Thank you. Um, I think it's, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. You got that? We got that going for us, which is nice. I, I think, mm. um, I think it was Judging Amy set there. Anyway, the point is. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, I'm just, I'm still eating, I'm dining out off of that. I think the problem is that in the national consciousness, people, New York codes one way, they know what it is. Chicago has a personality. Boston, thanks to 10 years of movies and of crime movies and, and championships, has a personality. I think Philadelphia's national personality is, you know, it's history and, and throwing batteries at Santa Claus. I mean, I, I don't know. I would like to change That's a show. that. <laughs> that, it really is. That's probably it's, a show. It's ben Franklin pitching things at, at, at beloved people. But here's yeah, the thing that, about Philly. E- even though it is somehow fallen by the wayside in the in the conversation, the pop culture conversation of how cities are used as either shows or locations or whatever, it still has the Rocky Two scene, which is the greatest use of a city probably ever. Yes. So when he jogs, it, it, he jogs through Philly. And literally, for whatever reason, every kid is not in school that day and just follows him. <laughs> and they run up the steps together and he just jumps up and down. No city has ever been used better in a scene than that scene. For the record, that tracks with my own elementary school experience. Like you, you, you were just, just said he was just standing around waiting for Rocky to run back. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, I was in elementary school after that was filmed. So I had a very barren decade just waiting. Uh, it wasn't until Judging Amy production showed up that I had something to do. That one kid, when Rocky pulls away and starts to sprint, and that one kid keeps up with him for about 30 yards. I always wanted to do a 30 for 30 short on that kid. He really felt like he could keep up with Slash Stallone. Where is he now? Where is he now? Who is he now? Wasn't that Vince Papali or something? Like, there's his guy. It be... might have been. Yeah, maybe it, was, maybe it was somebody who became a professional athlete. That kid definitely right, grew so into somebody. We're in for the fantasy draft. We're going to do that. We're going to come up with that idea before uh, before the holidays. Uh, everybody should watch The Missing. We didn't spoil it enough. Homeland is back. We love The Walking Dead. I'm in on the affair. Andy isn't. And uh, and we ran out of time to talk about the other stuff. But uh, you can listen to Andy and Chris Ryan on their podcast, which you can get on iTunes or through Grantland.com. You can read Andy um, every week on Grantland, especially his signature Wednesday column. The Connoisseur. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Bill. As promised, the man from D.C. who roots for the Eastern Conference finalists, 2015 Washington Wizards, Joe House. Oh, yeah. Congrats on making the Eastern Conference finals. This is great. <laughs> Thank you. We're what hotel are going to stay at? Which hotel should I make reservations at? Oh, it, it's well, uh, the answer is the Mandarin. And I'll tell you the reasons why offline. OK, yeah. <laughs> great. Good to sure. know. Yep. I'm in, Mandarin. Sign me up. Uh, you love Paul Pierce. I love Paul Pierce. Oh my goodness! You you don't isn't he the best? You appreciate him from afar. You watch him when you're rooting against him. Uh, he is, you know, cliche after cliche after cliche. The consummate professional. 
um, the veteran leader, like all of those apply. The dude has earned it. He really, really, really makes um, a difference in terms of poise with this team. Just last night, he was credited with helping the team maintain its focus. They went out and were beating the hell out of Miami the first half. Um, John Wall referenced a joke that Pierce made at halftime about, you know, let me get my rest tonight. Um, but that's the kind of uh, intangible that he brings to the franchise that really has them set up for, for a great run. That plus an amazing schedule. I mean, yeah. I uh, we, we know some of the guys that participate in, in crafting the schedule every year for the NBA. Um, I'm going to get myself up to New York one of these uh, weeks with a, a special present. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> it's it's an amazing schedule that we have. We've played, you know, really to to my way of thinking, three legitimate teams so far. I mean, because Cleveland is is still in disarray. You caught some teams uh, and, at the perfect time, didn't you? You played yeah. Indiana already. You played, didn't you? Play OKC at least once. We haven't played OKC uh, yet. Yeah. You caught Cleveland during the perfect weekend. Yep. It's been good. Yeah, um, we've had we've had Milwaukee twice. Uh, although they're, you know they're one of the teams. The Wiz, uh, have, the Washington Professional Front have beaten four teams with yeah. a winning record, uh, or have uh, yeah something like that. Milwaukee, Cleveland. Um, knowing knowing you get Pierce, knowing you get to just experience all the things that I loved about him. It yeah. reminds me of um, after college when I graduated college. Our friend, the Blue Boy drove cross country and ended up staying with my buddy Bish, who was one of my best friends from high school. And they didn't know each other at all and ended up staying with Bish for a while. Or maybe Bish stayed with him. One of them stayed with the other for uh-huh. a couple of weeks. And they both were like, oh, this is great. I love this guy. And it was like, oh, I knew you'd love this guy. And that's how I feel about you and Paul Pierce. It's like you don't yeah. really know until somebody's living with you for a few weeks, you know? And he, he's already had one of those signature games where – uh the um, the biggest game of the season so far for the, for the Wizzies was uh, a Friday night nationally televised game against Cleveland that they came out and had a great performance, but they had a, a, a Saturday game right after that uh, against Milwaukee, and uh, they came out flat. You know, so predictable. Um, they looked like Milwaukee might just run them out of the joint, and then Pierce stepped up. He had his best scoring game of the season because that's what they needed and they won the game really because yeah. he willed them to that, that that critical win the other great thing about pierce at this point in his career and this is why i was amazed nobody else went after him harder you know we we said it when you got him i, I thought it was the steal of the summer but uh he he cannot be involved for three and a half quarters and still make the biggest shot of the game like he's one of those oh, guys for sure for sure and he's also he's not afraid of anyone he has real respect he's a vet in a league where you always talk about how hard it is to find true professionals who've been around the block who can lead by example, but also lead in the huddle and things like that. And, uh, you know, I, we, I remember we were talking about how Houston needed a guy like that and they kind of stumbled into one. And I don't know if it was intentional or not just for what he brings to the table, but Jason Terry's done some of that same stuff for Houston. It's really well, important to have that guy. Those, those two guys have in common is that, is a, that hoops IQ. I don't know how to say it. Um, yeah. You know more more precisely than that, but there well, is they've a, done it, and they've been in big games and they've produced, which goes. You know, it's one thing to 
say stuff, but it's another thing when you actually have the background that other players knew you have, you know? Yeah, that, that's a, it, it's just enormous for this, this Washington team. Well, the other thing I've noticed, I've been watching your team because I love Pierce, and I love you, and I love Andrew Sharp and some of my other Wizard fan friends. Yeah. But um, I think Wall is better this year. And he's some definitely of it, better this year. He's definitely better this year. And some of it has to do with age and experience and all that stuff. But he used to be one of those guys that he was either in fifth gear or no gear. And he's learned how to shift gears now. Um, he's learned how to affect games when he, when he's not scoring. It's not like offensively, like you look at his stats and it's not like he's shooting the lights out or anything, but there's a general feel for what he's doing that uh, I've noticed. Wouldn't you agree yeah, with well, that? Yeah, well, look, you, we, we have to, I think, to be fair, look back to the beginning of last season, beginning of the 2013-2014 season, when, uh, um, this is gonna be, it sounds like 10 years ago, Okafor went down, and they went out and acquired Gortat and, and built kind of an all-in all uh, kind of team with the goal of making the playoffs so that Beal and Wall could get that playoff experience. And as they had the success that they had through the season. They had these little pieces, guys like Andre Miller, guys yeah. like um, uh, uh, Drew Gooden, you know, these, these veteran guys who come playoff time were able to lend a certain uh, credibility and credence and, and some guidance to these young guys. And now you have uh, a handful of young guys surrounded by a very veteran team in Washington. And, and, you know, it makes sense that wall, would look the way he looks this year, playing in a with with guys who have accomplished some things. You know the the combination of hoops IQ with this team. The Nene, um, you know the 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 two games that the the two worst games for the Wiz this year to me were Atlanta, and then predictably going to Cleveland. But both of those games, Nene wasn't on the court, and they're lost the, on the defensive schemes because he's not um, there playing kind of that middle linebacker position. Right. Um, but you know that that's all of all of these these pieces and and these guys with uh, this experience. Chris Humphreys has been terrific for them this year. Another I, did vet, I, did another I not tell you? To play. I told you. Yeah, I, I didn't he have was, any he argument. He was like shockingly. He was shockingly good for the Celtics last year for what for what he was. He, I mean, he he can face up and and shoot, and he's not afraid to shoot. Sometimes I yeah. wish he wouldn't shoot, but you know, I, I like the confidence. He's his hands are awesome around the rim. He, he gets his hands on a lot of balls. Terrific. He's it's super competent. Let me ask you I'm this. Keeping, you I'm trying any... to keep my enthusiasm tempered, though. It's so early, and the schedule has been so favorable. Do you have an expiring contract? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't think so. Because I was going to offer you a trade. How much do you like Otto Porter? I, I kind of like him, right? This is, for all intents and purposes, his rookie season, and he is the player that that you know we we hoped he'd be. There are some trades out there, though. Are you gonna who are you gonna offer me? I think Jeff don't Green would Lance. look really. Jeff Green would look really good on your team. Uh, I don't think Jeff Green is an upgrade over Otto Porter. Jeff Green's averaging eighteen points a game. Yeah, for a team that he's won from, four games. He's from Chocolate City. He started That's for your own Georgetown. You are you are swapping one Georgetown guy for another Georgetown guy. His best game every year is against the Wizards. I'd rather have Otto Porter at Otto Porter's age than Jeff Green at Jeff Green's age. 
they're the same guy almost, except for Otto Porter's defensive instincts. You know, he he's got strong defensive instincts the way that I'm not sure Jeff Green ever had. But Porter probably will never be a scorer like Jeff Green. So you can trust Otto well, Porter in the playoffs. You tell me. I I don't think we have to. That's that's okay. the luxury that the 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 Wiz enjoy. Rasul Butler has has been you know. Uh, uh, I, I, incandescent. That's how hot he's been. And I don't understand uh, that because he was washed up four years ago. <laughs> well, literally, he was washed up. I was going. He played for the Clippers, and he was washed up. And they tried to play him for a year, and he was completely terrible. It's always now he's, now he's right? scoring twenty three I mean, points. In the right situation for him at the right time. He was in a good situation with the Clippers. He couldn't make an open three. He couldn't shoot. <laughs> he can make an open three now. Maybe and, he has uh, eyes checked. My man Martel Webster's still um, coming back from from injury, so I'm I'm okay if uh, you know. I don't think there's going to be an undue <laughs> That's burden. That's officially on, his on name. All That's... I'm saying is is rotation on a rotation basis. You, you're not looking at out of Porter and saying we need big minutes out of him. Martel Webster's new name is Martel Webster. Martel Webster's coming back from an injury. I think that's actually his legal name now. I think you're in good shape. I like the Washington team. I like the Toronto team. Toronto, the DeRozan injury really hurts them. Um, I know. It's a bummer. They're still in the East, though, so it doesn't matter. They're still in the East, but they they had a real chance for the one seed, and I like their team, and I thought they were looking a little Spurs-esque. Great, great momentum. Yeah, and now now uh, it's not like they're not going to miss the playoffs, but I, I think no. that's going to hurt them. And even like you saw, oh, you probably didn't see, but I love watching the Lakers because the the Kobe thing is just hilarious. <laughs> it's just it's just there's no other word other than hilarious. Yeah, uh, to watch these Laker fans, you know, cheering for Kobe. It's like when Hulk Hogan came back to the WWE in 2003 and was like. Oh, this is fun. I'm going to root for this. Hulk Hogan's going to win the WWE title. It's so stupid. This is great. Let's do this. <laughs> That's what the Kobe thing is. It's like, oh, Kobe's going to take crunch time shots. I mean, it's this going to be so be much fun. That should be the slogan for, for Kobe for this year. It's so stupid. The 2014-2015 Kobe story. Kobe and the Lakers. It's a tie story. game with five minutes left. Kobe's going to shoot every time. It's just going to be like 2003. Why not? <laughs> Uh, like it's, it's, so, an NBA, it's, a, it's a video game. It's NBA Jam, isn't it? I want to know who's more bummed out: Kobe's teammates in the last five minutes of a game, or or people that are in solitary confinement in prison. What do you think? <laughs> well, first of all, I don't think there's a difference. But second of all, Kobe's teammates. What reason? What, why do they have any reason to be bummed out? They should all be thankful. I guess. I can't. I was arguing with Lewis yesterday, our friend Lewis, Lewis K, Premier know, PR I know, Maven. I know Lewis. Lewis is drinking the Mitch Kupchak Kool Aid and is claiming that this is all part of their master plan. Kupchak knew he was doing this. They're using Kobe. Kobe's going to just hog the ball for two years and go for the scoring record, and it'll enable them to get two more top five picks. And it's a way to throw Laker fans off the scent that they're really tanking. People love Kobe. People watch Kobe. The ratings are still good. They're always going to want to watch Kobe try to win a game. And I think he's giving Mitch Kupchak too much credit. I know he's giving the bus family too much credit because that family couldn't decide <laughs> on anything, much less something that complicated, right? So you, you're, you don't think that, that it's intentional that they're this terrible? No, I think they wanted to re-sign Dwight Howard two summers ago. 
And I, I think they wanted, wanted to resign Carmelo last year. Yeah, I think I think they wanted to. I I think they would rather be good. And I think they're Ramona made a great point about this on when we did a TV show with her that you can't be irrelevant in L.A. Yeah. It's the one city where the, the culture of thinking here is just like the moment you stop being relevant, everyone's going to forget you. Well, how and, about that? In, in that respect, they're always relevant when Kobe takes 37 shots a game. How are they? Right. I'm always looking at my, uh, at my phone to see, you know, is, is, is he, is he going to get, you know, 50 tonight? Is 60 in the cards tonight? Well, the, the best part is the referees giving him like crazy, crazy amounts of respect. I couldn't believe they didn't on Sunday night. They didn't, they called the, uh, they called the no foul. They called these, the verticality rule for Valanciunas. But there was another, Kobe's just like, I'm just going to drive to the basket and flail into somebody and they're going to call it. Cause I'm Kobe Bryant and people feel bad. Who is the second best player on the Lakers? Nick Young. I had a boozer. Oh, you haven't watched enough Lakers this year. <laughs> well, Boozer. the correct way to say it is I haven't watched any Lakers this year. The best part of Boozer is they can't trade him because he's an amnesty guy. So they're stuck with him. The Laker fans can't stand Boozer. And he's just on the team now. He just can't. He, I guess you could wave him, but Did there's really play? no reason Did to. Is he not playing any minutes even? He plays, but he's, you know. The the team is atrocious defensively. It's just atrocious. It's really it's really <laughs> as, like as it, it's, it's well it's when you just watch it, it's kind of fascinating to watch how bad they are on defense. I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite like it. And then they don't shoot threes other than Nick Young. Well, um, right. Kobe shoots coach. threes, but he doesn't make them. But yeah. uh, but they they're kind of like this 1990s style of before people realized that spacing was important and not having someone hog the ball maybe wasn't a great idea or hog, ball hogging isn't a great idea all this stuff it's and and they have Byron Scott on top of it yeah somebody who, just wrote this the Knicks and the and the Lakers are, have gone retro they have these early 90s offenses these 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 crazy iso sets <clears throat> right and meanwhile my team and I don't feel like this is intentional, but my team has stumbled across one of the great tanking teams I've ever seen in my life because they're in every game. They they actually are really well coached. They maximize yeah. all the talent they have, and they just lose games in the last five minutes, game after game after game, because they don't have a crunch time guy. It's perfect. It's great. You always feel good Dude. coming out of a Celtics loss. I always feel great. I have my head is held high every time. <laughs> you got to get somebody. How the hell has Marcus Smart been so far? Well, he got hurt, which hurt because they were developing a real identity with him and Bradley and Rondo, and they were playing the three of them at the same time. I've watched more Celtics this year than I've watched, like, probably since the 2011-2012 season. So it's been a couple of years, but I actually really like the Celtics team. And so Smart like got them. hurt. You like them? I do. I genuinely like them. I like the players that we have. Um, they just don't have a closer, and they're young, and yeah. they don't have a rim protector. I mean, they, they, they played clear. They blew like a 20 point lead to Cleveland. And uh, yeah, at some point, Kyrie, that. yeah, Kyrie and LeBron just kind of realized that they could go to the basket whenever they want. And there's yeah. just no way to stop it. Like, we have Olinick yeah. and Sullinger and Brandon Bass. Like, we're not going to be able to protect the rim. But Olinick's one of those guys, if you catch him on the right night, you're like, oh, Olinick. Whoa. <laughs> I can see this guy starting for the Spurs someday on a title team. 
I don't and think then, I've caught him on any of those nights. <laughs> those nights exist. But then you okay. watch him on, uh, like, they played the Bulls over uh, Thanksgiving week. And it was like him against Noah and Gasol. Yep. Oh, my, oh my God. <laughs> Not good. Uh, it was like Did the, the well. ref had to come in and stop them. It was just, oh. He just got uh, just demolished. And that's when you realize that, oh, yeah, he's the ninth man. Right. They have a lot of seventh, eighth, and ninth man on the on my Celtics. Um, hey, one thing oh. we should talk about, even though we're taping this on a Tuesday, and I'm not sure it's going to run till Wednesday, but I was shocked that OKC was bringing back Durant this fast. Well, I mean, you know, I'm sure they that, think that's it's a healthy, funny way but... to put it. You think is, you, you just said uh, OKC is bringing him back. Don't you think he's bringing himself back? Don't you think he's on a timetable where he says how he feels? Yeah, but I, all I can tell you is this. We've learned this over and over again. You don't rush back from a broken foot. You just well, we're, let me ask you this. Do you, do you feel like he, he, uh, he, he sees the, the standings and sees, you know, how many wins they have? They have to go 45 and 20 for the rest of the year. I'm not letting him make that decision. Well, and, and it's look. not his decision to make. Like, it's this like, is, I, is, I want you to be healthy. I don't want you to yeah, come yeah, back because you're looking at the standings. <laughs> yeah, I want, I, right, exactly. I'm not going to let you make that decision. The RG3 story. I mean, that, that's what we just went through for two years here with that poor guy. Um, yeah, but, that's a great example. That's somebody who came back too soon. And I'm sure Durant, I'm sure they cleared him. I'm sure he feels great. But I, I Go Google the history of Jones fracture and NBA players. And I don't know. It's just like, too much he, it's, I think, you know, but the combination of the franchise, his doctors, the team's doctors, everybody's vetting it and, and giving him the, the, the green light. He, he wouldn't dare come back because we'll, you know, even though they, they, they have to do something, uh, um, you know, pretty challenging to get to the to 50 wins. And we're, we're both, at least I, you have to get 50 wins to make the playoffs in the West. I think, I think, I think it could be, I think it could be 46, 47 potentially. Okay. All right. So potentially they're, they're still in the mix. We're at the point where uh regular, the regular season does start, you know, to, to kind of matter to OKC for them yeah. to get into the playoffs. No, I, um, I get all the reasons, but, I see. I feel like on December we're taping this on December second. Mm-hmm. I thought they would be in much worse shape. Like they, I think they're only five back from the eight spot. Like that, they'll be able to make that up if Durant's healthy, no problem. I There's think. a lot of a lot of teams ahead of them. There's a lot of teams ahead of them, but just ultimately, if you have to make up five games, they have the most talent. That's a team that I think people thought were going to win sixty games. The problem is if Durant has some sort of a setback. And, you know, you could have been cautious and just waited two more weeks until it was just overwhelmingly clear he should play again. But if he ends up re-injuring it or anything, and now well, you're now it's another eight weeks, like then you're ruining your season. And I don't trust that injury. Like, well, I'm not trying to be a dick. I've just, I've been online reading about Jones fractures and NBA players. And there's this common theme of re-injuring it that I think you should be really scared of if you're Oklahoma City. Well, they they can't afford any injury at all to either he or Rusty, for that matter, yeah. for the rest of the season. They they really can't. There's Would only three to... teams ahead of them um, to get that they have to jump over to, to to be competing for the eighth spot. Well, four teams. Well, they might have lucked out right. because it's it's 
literally almost impossible not to make the playoffs when you have somebody like Anthony Davis putting up the stats and the both ends impact that he's been having night after night after night. It's literally impossible. Like there's yep. almost no recourse in the NBA history of, of somebody putting up 25, 13, two blocks, two steals, the, the kind of shit he does on defense. Um, that's 45 wins. Yeah. And yet they put together a team that, that is such a detriment to him that, uh, you know, they, Tyreek Evans shooting a crunch time, Drew Holiday. What happened to that guy? I don't know. It's so weird. They, He's they have below average that, as a starter. They're, 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 there's something going on there uh, that I don't understand. I'm waiting for Zach Lowe to do his breakdown of what's wrong with New Orleans. I, I don't understand this, this, uh, the inconsistency. It's, it's a team that on paper should be, I mean, Eric Gordon before he got hurt was probably the worst starter in the league. Statistically, he was an abomination and I, and I'll take the loss. I'm going to take the loss on Eric Gordon. I, I really thought he was going to have a great career. Thought he was going to be one of the best two guards in the league for, I felt the same way about him watching him on the clips or during earlier Gordon era that you do now about Bradley Beal. It's the, it's the injuries. I mean, he, he couldn't come back from him. I guess. Well, do you he think Derrick Rose comes he, back? He wasn't ever able to get back to that form he had when he was with the Clippers. Do you think Derrick Rose is ever a superstar? Superstar. He's a superstar three years ago. No, I don't. I don't think so either. I think he's going to be great, but not a superstar. I don't think he's going to be great anymore. I, th- I think he's going to be too much great, happened. We're going to see games this year that I think uh, he he single handedly wills wills them to win scoring wise, scoring wise. I mean, they have a whole team that's very complimentary, but I don't know. That's such a long layoff, and it's clearly affected him. And there's no real precedent in NBA history of somebody missing that much time coming back and being as good. Yeah. I have not been able to find it. I, I scoured Basketball Reference, could not find really any parallel scenario of somebody missing two plus seasons and coming back and being really good again. Any well, I mean, Bill Walton's eighty-six season. He was playing 18 minutes a game. Yeah, right. So Rick Barry, Rick Barry in the NBA. Rick Barry had to sit out a season, blew out his knee in another season, but it, it was never gone for really more than a year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going that like Bird missed a season, he came back, but like the the people you're looking at are people like Penny Hardaway and Yao Ming, and it's it's scary. I miss watching yeah. great Derrick Rose. I hope he comes back. But Me right too. now, I, I I was rooting for my team against them the other day, and I was rooting for him to, I, w- I was rooting for him to be involved and take shots because I felt like that was Boston's best chance to win if Derrick Rose went in a ball hog mode. You know, and you, you know I really, it. you know I really you like. Do it yet. I have somebody I like. I have a basketball crush on somebody. So, I like. Uh, I like Meritage in, in Chicago. Huh. I like that guy's game. That guy's a good I game. I haven't seen enough of them to have oh, a point of view on Meritage. All right. Here's my scouting report on, on Meritage. A rich man's Vlad Radmanovich, after 
Three lines of cocaine. Why the three lines of cocaine? Because he's aggro. He's like, it's like he just had a couple bumps. And now he's like, ah, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some offensive rebounds. Ah, that's how, how much time is he getting? I'm looking him up right now. They, they, sometimes they can't keep him off the court in crunch time. Like in the Celtics game, they just had to leave him out there because he was having an impact. I like his game. <laughs> I would not want to be Taj Gibson right now. He's averaging 18, almost 19 minutes a game. He's shooting 47.5% the last 10 games. Yeah. He, may, he can shoot threes. He goes to the basket hard. Plays D. There was this play in the Celtic game. Bass got the rebound. It was like three minutes left. And the point guards, for some reason, just kind of took off down the court. And, uh, and so Bass had to dribble the ball up. And Meritich was like hounding bass all the way up the court the same way like in pickup when you have that one a-hole in pickup who's guarding everybody full court like hey dude slow down it's pickup what are you doing you're being a dick this was meritage and he like literally almost stole the ball three times and bass was like ah and finally got rid of it but meritage is a wild card i, I really really like his game yeah that i like was, the balls he i don't i didn't know about the the motor but everybody uh identified him in the preseason run-up as being a significant addition. You know, he was one of the guys along with Gasol and the drafting of McDermott that people thought this is really transformative for, for the Bulls. That's really, a, you know, that they did the best in the offseason because D. Rose is coming back and you have these other three guys. His name kept being mentioned, and, and apparently with good reason, 47% from three-point uh, right now. Yeah. Well, and Doug McBuckets is a legit pro. And I think we're going to end up looking back at Staskis going over McDermott as really stupid. That history will remember that one unkindly for Sacramento. Staskis yeah, defensively is is a train wreck. And McDermott defensively— You mean the crowdsourcing re- didn't work? No, crowdsourcing didn't work apparently. But McDermott, he, you, you'd think he'd be terrible defensively, but he's not terrible. He knows where to go and what to do. He's coach's son. Well, I forget he, who he mentioned that to by me the best defensive— uh, you know, coach in the league, and he's uh, surrounded by guys that know how to play defense. Yeah, he knows he's so, not going to totally hurt you because he knows what to do. Um, and he's got plenty of help. That was a great draft. That it, it's funny because I took some heat. Jalen and I both took a little heat because we liked too many of the picks when we did the draft telecast. And I kept saying, like, the reason I liked all the picks is because I liked the draft. Just yeah, like right. I think I think this is gonna be one of the best drafts ever. And you go through it and uh man, I mean KJ have you seen KJ McDaniels on uh on Philly? No. No, that I That guy's gonna be one of the best six players in the draft. I'm not even kidding. <clears throat> go watch him. Well go on YouTube and watch KJ for watch just like three KJ clips. You're gonna go nuts. It's gonna have to be a well, you know what? I'm gonna watch Philly, Minnesota tomorrow night. Because uh, I want to see if Philly gets the W, and so I'm that'll be you. that'll be the one. I'll make sure that like I sit, sit down, get the popcorn. I I'm not putting it out of the question. You're going to think I'm insane. I'm not putting it out of the question that he's a better pro than Jabari Parker five years from now. Wow, I think it's in play. I don't. I have to confess. Uh, I don't I know. know anything about him. And have no, but you play. shouldn't. He plays for a team that's 0-17. You should know nothing about KJ. But I like that dude's game. And, you know, Zach wrote about this before the season, but it's a really interesting scenario where 
he bet on himself with his contract, 500000 one year. Yeah. He's either a restricted free agent at the end of the year or they have to tender him $1.2 million for year two. But then after that, he becomes unrestricted. And from what I've seen in that guy, if that guy is unrestricted a year from now in 2016 when the cap goes up, he's going to make $100 million. It's he's insane. a second-round guy out of Clemson. Yeah. Huh. He is a beast on both ends, and he goes to the rim hard. Um, he's a fantastic athlete. I just like his game. And, and the wing position is the weakest position in the league right now. It's really hard to find wing guys. That's why seven teams are trying to trade for Jeff Green right now. Because there's just not enough wing dudes. Um, yeah, that, that, that. I like him. I think Wiggins is going to be, even though he disappears, I, there's just so much talent there. I, I, I can't imagine he's not going to figure that out. Jabari is super fun to play with. Um, I don't yeah, know. Jabari is going to be a great scorer, I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't totally know how good he is, but he'll definitely be relevant in some way. And Embiid's going to be great. If he yeah. can stay on the court. Sarge was the EuroLeague, the youngest EuroLeague player of the month ever in November. He's going to be good. I love Alfred Payton. That guy's a beast. Smart's going to be excellent. Um, I like excellent. Gordon and Exum. Yeah, Gordon. Gordon, at the very least, is going to be a great energy guy. But he's just going down the line. That's a that's a that's just a killer draft. Really, yeah, really great. Draft, I like the guy in Denver, Nurkic. You seen him? No, I haven't seen him. We yeah, he's a hear, Friday. Bruiser. You'll like him if he plays. Doesn't play that much. Uh, Joe House, sorry about the Redskins. <laughs> say their name. I'm going to violate the BS report <laughs> rule. That's their name. But yeah, I'm it's sorry about the, uh, the Washington professional football There's nothing team. nothing to be what sorry about. Do you want to have, do you want to do a whole podcast before the end of the season about where you just get to vent for 20 minutes? Because I'm happy to accommodate that. Uh, I don't. I don't think I have twenty minutes in me. I'm so resigned, right? It's a clown franchise. The circus is in town. Look at all the clowns running around the circles. I mean, it's you know, it's 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 a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. And it starts from the top. And you know, people are trying to, you know, finally Bruce Allen is starting. The GM is starting to get some some criticism. Like mm. I watched the uh, that that Colts game for some reason. I don't know what was. Uh, well, actually, you know, what? I watched it because I wanted to watch some Colt McCoy. Um, yeah. but the, well, you, the, you must hate yourself. The, 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 the DC professional football team secondary, I mean, it was, it was the atrocity barely covers the half of it. It was, it was extraordinary watching it. You can't believe how open the guys, the Colts were and Andrew Luck just doesn't miss uh, open receivers. Yeah. So I don't know that, uh, the Jay Gruden there. I don't know if it's going to be a long one. Well, he, he, he deserves a chance. Uh, I mean, uh, he arrived here and his quarterback wasn't on the team when he, when he arrived and, you know, he, he, he installed a system that imagines a pocket passer, a guy like an Andy uh, Dalton, Andy Dalton ain't on this football team. So they're going to have to go find the quarterback and then we'll see whether or not Jay Gruden is, you know, deserves a head coaching job, but that's a whole, that's the 2015 story. Hmm. I, I don't It'll think you fun. can. I don't think you can overcome a terrible owner. I think that's one of the <laughs> lessons we've learned this century: is that if your owner is just awful, you're you're screwed. You're no, screwed. The, the only you needed hope. some sort of miracle to like they needed to win the Andrew Luck draft. Andrew well, Luck yeah, could have overcome is, Snyder, I think. We we this is what's so frustrating. We had a, a, a mini miracle with with you know. 
four-fifths of the season with RG3. Seven straight wins, NSA East title, and then right back to the classic Washington professional ways. Injured, you know, uh, on a field that wasn't appropriate for for a polo match for horses and stays in the game and tears the ACL. And that's the end of his, really the end of his career in Washington. That's that, that moment marked it. And the good news is the good news is in week 17, you're going to beat Dallas and ruin their season. That'll be fun. (laughs) Poor Sal. Poor Sal. (laughs) You just mark that down on the board. Now that's going to be the weirdest game of the year. Dallas is somehow (laughs) going to lose it. It's going to be really traumatic. I have to go because I have to go. Uh, I have to go to the bathroom. I have to pee. I've been yeah, holding it for go. two hours. Um, I enjoyed it. Joe House, always a pleasure. Talk to you soon, always. my friend. Oh, we'll see yeah. you next week in LA. Yes, sir. Okay. Talk to you later. See you. Thank you for downloading the BS Report with Bill Simmons. Too much. Check out more podcasts at the iTunes Music Store or at PodCenter at ESPNRadio.com. Peace out.